But the math doesn't change. It just shows where yeah. my house is. Yeah, it just shows your house. And it's like, hey, I forgot where I lived. So this was really helpful. <laughs> how Thank how you. useful. Yeah, I, I can remind myself from my own address. Boxcast, a conversation about current events, culture, and e-commerce logistics from Pitney Bowes. Hey, thanks for joining this episode of Boxcast. We've got something really exciting lined up uh, today. We're going to talk about a set of awards that we gave out uh, in, in the fall to some of our, our clients, some of the, the brands that we work with who've done a, a really standout job of enabling great order experiences. For those who aren't aware, the podcast you're listening to right now is called BoxCast. The box stands for best order experience. That's what the entire podcast is about. If you've been listening to all of our episodes up to this point and you didn't know that, I feel bad. I feel, I'm so sorry. We haven't, we haven't told you up to this point what this whole podcast is about. It's about the order experience. And we define the order experience as starting from checkout, the decisions you're making around delivery date and other options at checkout, all the way through from tracking, unboxing, returns, and exchanges. Everything that has to do with the order. Now, we like to think about it as the order experience because all of those things, those, those milestones have to be successful and a great experience in order for the order to be successful. There's a lot of talk in the industry about post-purchase experience. For many years, this term post-purchase experience has been out there. I was corrected by one of our clients one time about using the term post-purchase experience because he was really articulate. Uh, head of e-commerce told me, the purchase isn't done until the customer's happy, right? The purchase isn't done until the customer's happy. And if you haven't delivered the package that the consumer paid for, how could the consumer possibly be happy, right? So the purchase isn't done until that transaction is completed to the consumer satisfaction. So that could be a return. It could be an exchange. It could be any of those things that completes the order. And so we it's a little semantic thing. I hate to quibble on, on little terms like this, but it's the order experience because the consumer has hit the buy button, submitted an order, placed the order, and they're waiting to get their product, the product that they wanted. And so every moment from that checkout to when the customer is happy, is fair game for order experience. So, and so we're going to talk about four brands that are doing a phenomenal job right now, brands that, that we're proud to work with, some of whom feel this is their secret sauce, so secret that they'd prefer we not mention who they are publicly. So we're going to, we're going to use some euphemisms to describe a couple of these award recipients. So hopefully you can, you can follow along with, with who we're talking about in terms of brands, even if we don't name them outright. So to joining me today, I want to bring onto the show, uh, welcome to Pierce Ingram and Julia Brockney. Both of them I work with quite a bit uh, around our order experience or box program, and they are sort of the brain trust of what we do to get insights around what retailers are doing in the market to make order experiences better. And in our case of the awards, best. So I'm going to ask uh, you guys to, to kind of introduce yourselves. Pierce, let's start with, with you. Kind of tell us, tell the listeners a little bit about What's your role? What do you do on the, on the box program? And a little bit about your history at PB. Yeah, thanks, VJ. So my role here at Pitney is to actually uh, be the product manager for the box tool suite of applications that we 
manage where we get a lot of these insights that VJ is talking about. I've been with PB for uh, the better part of four or five years now and actually came over as part of an acquisition. So if you grandfather me in, I'm closing in on a decade, which is a long time, um, but it's been great. And, and PB has done an excellent job of really capitalizing on this order experience concept and really turning it into a, a package of insights that are super consultative and that we have found that retailers react and engage really, really well with. Awesome. Thanks, Pierce. Grandfathered in, uh, that's not to imply that you're you're a geezer. You've brought a lot of energy <laughs> to the program for sure. And, and, and a ton of dedicated focus to figuring out how do we, you know, and, and, and you and I have been doing the, the rounds here, talking to our clients and other e-commerce operators around how do we take the insights and help retailers make decisions? And, and, and so that's been a journey that, that we've been on recently, kind of doing almost a, a little bit of a roadshow or tour around some of these insights. Yeah. And the reception has been phenomenal, right? Uh, nothing nothing yeah. sort of surprising that, that folks are, are so interested in these insights, would you say? I would agree. And I mean, not to, you know, pat ourselves on the back here too much, right? But the retailers that we get in front of genuinely are impressed that A, we've taken the time to dissect their experience so thoroughly, but B, they're impressed with the the perspective we bring and just the understanding that, hey, we're here to help you be better, right? Um, that's really our skin in the game is that you can be a better brand and you can offer a better experience to the customers that are coming to your website. Awesome. Awesome. Could, could have said it better myself. Julia, you're sort of an honorary PB employee. Can you talk a little bit about uh, your role and what you've done with, with the Box program? Yeah, sure. So I'm still going to school. I'm at Bentley University majoring in marketing. I've been with PB for about a year and a half now. Now I'm working on the Box Score program, primarily improvements, campaigns, any other projects like that. And yeah, it's been a, it's been a great time. Awesome. So you've been on, on the program for, yeah, close to close to a year now or over a year now and with PB longer than that. And, and you've kind of worked at this nexus of kind of enabling capture of the data we're using in this program to figure out, you know, what are what are e-commerce merchants offering out there? And you know, let's talk a little bit at first about how do we get the data? We've got these awards, right? I'm going to, we're going to talk about the awards in just a minute. Uh, I want to keep people in suspense for as long as possible. Uh, it's not a long episode, so they're not going to die from from patience or, or lack of patience. But I want to talk first about how we get this information because it's going to inform what the basis is, was of, of awarding uh, these specific four retailers in the ways or in the topics or areas that we that we gave the awards out. So let's talk a little bit about the, the process. So BoxScore is a secret shopping program. I remember doing some some research originally when we, we first started the program. Mystery shopping, secret shopping, it's been around since the late 1800s is, is how long it's been around. I'm sure they don't they don't teach this in in college, Julia. But uh, they apparently, when department stores first opened in the late 1800s, department store owners would hire private investigators to go shop their competitors across the street and give them like a scorecard of what's what's driving customers into that store versus their own, right? And that's kind of where it started. Now, a lot of vendors in the e-commerce space do mystery shopping. That's not, that's not abnormal. Like it, it, you're almost, you should be disappointed if you're a merchant and the vendor you're talking to has not bought something from your website. It should almost be like a requirement for somebody to, to have bought something from you before kind of pitching you on uh, a new way of doing things, a new service, a new product. 
we took that a bit further. Uh, so what I want you to kind of help describe and, and put some color around and maybe help the audience visualize is the program we've spun up. So you, you have mystery shopping, which is often retailer by retailer process. We wanted to take that up a notch and do it across mystery shopping across thousands of retailers so that we can re really have a benchmark of what's going on in the industry and by segment, right? So we can look at fashion retailers versus, you know, cosmetics, beauty, personal care, or sporting goods, and allow the an analysis that we do to be against your direct comp competitors or your peers. So how are we doing that? That's, that's a lot of data to capture. We don't have like a full-time team working on how we uh, are on full-time shopping websites and amassing data. Can you talk a little bit about the program that we've spun up to, to get data from, from across the organization? Yeah, absolutely. It's something I've benefited from, so happy to talk about that. Basically, we generate this data internally. Any USPB employee can participate in box score shopping, and it's super easy. You just fill out fields about your shopping experience, whether that be the shipping options offered, the date that you received your item, which we then use to generate click-to-porch timelines, and points are awarded per field, and once you accumulate enough points, you can spin our box wheel and earn hundreds of dollars. And every month we award any participants for what they've accumulated across the month. And it's become such a large scale program. And it's really cool because people can fill out information about shopping they're already doing and be rewarded for that. And we benefit. So it's just a really win-win situation that we've been improving over the past few years. For sure. We've, we've really kind of honed down to a science. And thanks to the efforts that, that you and Pierce put forward in, in, in making this a real program that people want to be a part of. So a couple of things I want to, want to call out there, as you mentioned, one is we're getting the data from hundreds of, of PB, uh, Petty Buzz employees, right? Hundreds of employees are, are giving us the data. And it's, it's, they're not mystery shopping just because they're getting rewards, right? It's a, it's a rewards program. It has a bit of a chance. We're not like compensating people for, for shopping. We're putting them into a, a kind of a, a points-based rewards program where there, you could win a lot of money if you get enough points and you, you can spin the wheel, right? But the idea is anybody can participate, right? You just log the data from the shopping you're already doing. And that's the key. I've never seen a mystery shopping program in this industry work at scale because you end up having to have dedicated shopping resources, which is not sustainable in a very competitive, cost competitive industry like e-commerce logistics. And so we've leveraged our entire employee base. In fact, we have folks all the way in our hourly employees in our facilities who are managing packages in their free time, when they do online shopping, they're logging box score shops too. Everybody in the organization has an opportunity to participate, which does a couple of things, right? One is it gives us the widest swath of data we can. And there isn't an inherent bias because it's not folks who are trying to sell our services. It is everybody. They're just acting as consumers. Everybody can participate. And they're not providing subjective data. They're providing screenshots pictures of their unboxing experience, and a yes-no answer on is this feature offered or not. So it's we're trying not to be subjective. We're just getting objective observations, one. Two, as part of this process, by logging your shop, you actually become more knowledgeable about e-commerce. I think you and I, Joel, you have talked about this. It's like when you first joined 
you were an avid shopper before PB. We didn't make you an avid shopper. Just full disclosure, right? Um, you were an avid shopper before. Definitely. Do you feel, what do you feel like you've learned about e-commerce just as a, as a PB employee working through or submitting all this information on, for our shops? Yeah. When I'm shopping, I definitely am more in tune with what kind of shipping options are offered. I take note of like if they offer an estimated delivery date over maybe a range of days. I get more excited when boxes are branded or have some sort of like card in them because as we've seen from our box pull data, the unboxing experience is super important. So not only am I receiving my item, but are there other perks to it and how advanced is their packaging abilities and fulfillment, stuff like that. I've definitely become more observant in my shopping and take note. Yeah. I mean, and, and take your experience, you know, you've been, you've been with PB for a year and a half, two years now, and that's been your kind of natural inclination after submitting all this data. You're just like naturally becoming more observant about e-commerce logistics, right? The order experience as a consumer mm-hmm. and extrapolate that out across hundreds or thousands of PB employees. And all of a sudden we've made our entire employee base more knowledgeable about e-commerce logistics, not even as a training exercise, just as a side effect of running a program like this. And so that's that's one of the big benefits. So we get unbiased, objective data from hundreds of shoppers. We just purely by coincidence, but as an intentional side effect, we educate all of our employees on the what's important, what's observable from an e-commerce order experience. And the third is from that, we've built software that automatically takes the data from each of those shops and turns them into insights. So this is where I want to kind of throw the mic back to back to Pierce a little bit. And maybe Pierce, you've run this box score program for you know over a year now. What are some of the things that you're getting a reaction to when you present some of these insights to, to merchants? What are some of the couple of examples of things where a merchant is like, I didn't really think about that, or that's interesting? I would say one that comes right away to my mind is communicating the estimated delivery date, right? It's like such an important part of the entire experience. It happens at the very beginning. It can totally determine if someone's going to buy something or not, if they're going to abandon that cart, but not a whole lot of time. I think it's spent really thinking about it. You know, if you're on a website like Shopify for your backend, it's kind of being controlled for you. If you're a little bit bigger, you've got to determine the rules and the business logic on how you show it. And then you got to think about the way that you do show it, right? Do you talk about it as a range? Do you talk about it as a specific date? You know, we're seeing the move to scheduling the delivery date, right? There's so many different ways to do this and it can really impact your point of sale. And so that's been a really relevant one. Um, we've seen so many different examples of how retailers, big and small, handle this. And uh, the reaction is always really interesting when we point out some good observations around this to the retailers that we speak with. Totally, totally agree. And EDD points a great segue. So I want to use that example to kind of talk, start to talk about the awards winners, right? Because we're going to talk about EDD in this in this first winner example. So it's, it's, it's a good segue. Before we jump into the winners, I'm going to prolong revealing the winners just for one more second. <laughs> the way we think about box score shopping, I, I mentioned order experience is kind of the the, the heading for, for or, or how we think about box and, and what's important to the consumer in, in that journey of buying a product online. So we divide 
the box score insights into four categories. Checkout is the first. And in checkout, we're looking at exactly what, what Pierce is describing. How many different shipping methods are you surfacing? How specific are your estimated delivery dates? Are you offering other ways of delivering the order, whether that's ship to store and for store pickup and curbside? Is it shipped to a locker? Is it available to pick up from a carrier location? All those options and, and sort of the variety of shipping methods, the pricing of shipping methods, the specificity and overlap between estimated delivery dates, all of that kind of goes into the checkout process. That's one. The second is tracking, tracking the, the package delivery from the ship confirmation all the way to delivery, how many notifications, what kind of notifications were offered, how specific and how branded is that tracking experience? Or are you just throwing the consumer or customer out to the carrier website to go track something? All right. So tracking experience is really interesting. And that's the second piece. Unboxing is the third, right? The package has been delivered. Now you're unboxing. Now, the, the interesting thing about this is that from a retailer standpoint, the work of unboxing happens before tracking. It happens, you know, in fulfillment during shipping. But we, we do, we look at this from a consumer standpoint. And from a consumer standpoint, the unboxing experience, you know, happens at, upon delivery. And so how do you, this is the very first manifestation, a physical manifestation of an online experience. The very first time you physically interacted with that retailer could be with unboxing because you've only ever shopped their website. So how are you making that indelible? What are the things that consumers really like to see in unboxing experiences? That's unboxing. That's the third topic. And then the final topic is returns or exchanges. And in returns, it's like, what are the options? How convenient are the returns? How many different ways do I have to generate a label or where do I take the return? How complicated is it to go in and ship the return in the first place? And all of those considerations, all the options offered, surprisingly few retailers offering online exchanges. So we're observing all of these things. So what we've done is we've given awards to uh, merchants who have done particularly well in, in each of these areas. So one award for each of the four areas, checkout, tracking, unboxing, and returns I just mentioned. So let's go to the first one, right? The first winner here Pierce, do you want to call out who the winner is? And then let's spend a couple minutes talking about what did we observe in all these shops that kind of led to this conclusion that they had some of the some of the best organized checkout shipping options available? Yeah, absolutely. So a tiny little drum roll going on right here, right? So the first uh, retailer is probably one of the biggest brands out there that most people would be familiar with, and that's Victoria's Secret. We ended up selecting them um, because they were so distinguished and exactly kind of the segue that we led to this part of the conversation about is they're experts in delivering estimated delivery date. Um, they do it really well and they also provide a lot of options, right? From all of the shopping that we observed, they typically provide five ship methods, right? At checkout, typically four out of five of those are day definite. Um, so the shopper is going to know exactly, you know, what day that that um, package is going to show up and they can have confidence that I don't have to guess or figure out when will this package show up according to or, you know, adjusted to my schedule and do I have to make any changes? It's going to be here right when I know it should be. Um, on top of this, they also offer, you know, obviously in-store pickup and, you know, the experience of the total checkout was really clean, really easy and fast. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. I want to dig in here on on this example you're bringing up because mm -hmm. as you and I have presented to a, a bunch of retailers and e-commerce e companies, when we present the checkout experience that they offer, is it fair to say that like, I don't know, between seven or nine out of 10 times, 
there are overlaps between the delivery dates of the shipping options. Yeah, yeah. It's it's interesting that, but yes, it is a pretty common thing. And sometimes you catch a retailer where they're like even surprised that it happened. They're like, I don't even know why this is happening, right? Like, can you can you tell me why this would be happening? It's kind of like the attitude because they're so surprised. But yeah, it does happen. And it is an interesting experience for consumers who have to sit there and try to figure out why do I have two of the same dates and why are they priced differently and what's really going on here? It's that moment of pause that puts a lot of fear into online retailers who have to, uh, you know, try to battle that. Absolutely. Right. And, and, and then, you know, you mentioned earlier, it's kind of this move in the industry towards scheduled delivery dates. I mean, let me spend a couple minutes talking about, you know, what do we know from consumer surveys and, and changes in the market on, on this front? Because this is a, such a critical point that you brought up. So Victoria's Secret's offering uh, five different ship methods at checkout. Four out of those five, as Pierce mentioned, are day definite. Right. And so when in an example, we placed an order on the eighth of a month and the estimated delivery dates, uh, sorry, was, yeah, the estimated delivery date started in a next day option, two days out, three days out, a four day out because uh, there was a Saturday in there. So they were able to fit in a Saturday delivery to hit the four day transit time. And then a non day definite option that is roughly five to seven days, that was your default standard free option. Right. So five different ship methods to check out. And what they're figuring out behind the scenes is which carrier do I do I tender that to depending on how much my fulfillment time is. And they're constantly reevaluating if my fulfillment is lagging slow, they're going to pick a different carrier in their TMS. Uh, just some really good intelligence around orchestrating what to promise the consumer and then figuring out the most cost-effective carrier service to use to deliver that package. And the move we've seen, we talked about scheduled delivery, is predicated on you know what's happening in this sort of post-pandemic environment. So pre-pandemic, fast delivery was defined, not a big surprise, was defined as about two days. Why? 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 I mean, Julia, you can tell us why. Two days. I mean, that is that is the prime... Amazon Prime uh, threshold, right, for, for delivery, two days. And two days, 2.1, 2 between 2.1, 2.3 days before the pandemic was the definition of fast, especially when, when offered for free. Over the course of the last two years, the expectation of what is fast delivery has moved, you know, at, at the height of the pandemic in October, it was like three days if, if offered for free. And now it's even, if not offered for free, the, the definition of fast has shifted even slower than 2020, right? So average overall uh, across all products, 22.9 to 3.2 days. The interesting thing is that we're not all sitting at home. We're moving around. We're getting around out of the house a lot more than we used to during the last couple of years. And as a result, we're not at home to, to pick up a package, right? And so not only are we busy and aren't in a hurry to get the thing, right? Because in this sort of post-COVID era, if I want something right away, I'm going to go to the store. Especially if it's something like, it's not a very particular brand, I'm just going to run to the store and get it. It's not that hard, it turns out, as uh, unlike the last couple of years have, have kind of tried to convince us. And so speed, absolute, fast, I need it now, speed is the domain of stores. As a result, the reason I order online is one, because I can buy, make that purchase anywhere. I can be sitting in the parking lot at my kid's school and I can buy something. I could be sitting on the train on the way to work and I could buy something. I don't need to be out shopping. 
That's the convenience. That's the reason why people are buying online. And they're not in a hurry because otherwise they go to the store. And so what they're looking for is how do I get the package? How do I get the delivery of the order when I'm going to be home? Because I don't want it sitting on my porch either for it to be stolen or for it to get rained on, right? Or get misplaced. I'd like to be there. And therefore, I want to know what day. I don't, not only do I want to know what day it's delivered, I want to choose what day it's going to be delivered. And that's the move we're seeing in the market. There was actually a, a report or a story in the Wall Street Journal just two weeks ago talking about how retailers, especially given the rising costs of shipping and logistics, are moving away from fast as possible speed to a scheduled delivery option at checkout. And this is not like to enable this, you don't have to go enable like a turn on a calendar at checkout and do appointment scheduling. I mean, you could. Uh, there is certainly a, a significant cost to that, uh, coordinating all the, the appointments. Or you could define delivery dates like Victoria's Secret has done in specific day definite increments. And you're giving the illusion to a consumer that they have their choice of delivery date. Now, there's a different cost per day. Totally fine, because faster should be more expensive. I think every consumer sees that. But the convenience of giving the option of when it's going to be delivered sort of trumps the idea that it has to be here tomorrow or two days from now, right? It's more important that I have a choice. That's the definition of convenience for, for delivery. So Victoria's Secret, phenomenal job because they've done this without having to have sort of appointment scheduling. They're giving the feeling of choice by offering a set of very specific delivery days. All right. So that's checkout. Julia, anything you would add from your experience with all the shopping data that we're getting? Anything else you've seen on the checkout step that was uh, that, that's interesting as a call out? I'd say definitely I would prefer if I could choose a delivery date. This summer, I unfortunately had a package stolen. So I'm definitely pro being able to choose what day it comes. You know, what's interesting is that 17% of uh, U.S. consumers have had porch piracy, personal experience with porch piracy. And that expands to like close to 40% if you include those you know that have been affected by porch piracy. And so it's, it's a great point, right? If you know it's an issue, especially, you know, around the holidays key buying gifting seasons. There's a lot of porch piracy happening. It gives you as a consumer a sense of security that you can control the outcome. Because I did a, a presentation at uh, the National E-Commerce Summit a few weeks ago. And one of the, the comments that I think got the audience most responding was this idea that we aren't looking for speed, right? If we were looking for speed, we would go to the stores, we said, said a second ago. The idea that consumers are shopping online because they don't have a, a hurry up mentality towards buying, but also it's like they want control, right? They want, they're shopping online because it gives them control about when and where they shop. And, and the, one of the odd things about e-commerce as technology forward as it is, is that that control disappears as soon as you hit the buy button as a consumer, right? No, they're no longer in control. And so e-commerce, unlike like the, the front end of the experience where shopping online is instantaneous, e-commerce is more affected by the passage of time than in-store shopping. Because if, if it's in-store, I can go to the store, I instant gratification, I go pick up something off the shelf, I buy it, I walk home with it. That's it, right? There's not, not my, I'm in full control with the store shopping experience. It's e-commerce where the consumer gives up agency to say, here, retailer, ship it whenever you think you can. Uh, hopefully it's by the date you promised. And, but if you're giving choice to checkout, 
it starts to bring that control back to the consumer. And that's a, that's a safety blanket for sure. All right. Next one up is tracking. Pierce, do you want to talk a little bit about our winner and, and kind of what you observed and, and what our team observed as, as kind of the, the hallmarks of the reason why, we, why they stood out for us? Yeah, absolutely. So for tracking, we ended up selecting Etsy based off of all of the benchmarking data that we've collected. And then on top of that, their experience um, with their tracking portal is so different from what we kind of see out there right now, right? Um, there's a lot of similar style of tracking pages and platforms that retailers use. And while they look great and they're modular and they're really easy to maintain, you kind of lose that distinguishing experience of you versus somebody else, right? So Etsy has kind of gone all in with their own approach to tracking and they have this really big interface that is like a giant map, right? And it tells you exactly where your package is um, whenever you come back to take a look at it. And we found that that is a really great feature it's really easy to understand where your package is and hopefully when it's going to be there. Um, they communicate the estimated delivery date by signposting that with a subway line style of delivery events. And, you know, the other piece about Etsy that they did really well is that they do have cross-promoting collateral, right? They're promoting other pieces from the Etsy platform that you could maybe be interested in, but it's not in your face. It's not all over the place, right? They're not really pushy about it. And you tend to see because depending on the platform or the retailers and the opportunities they have with the, the tracking environment, it's a captive audience, right? Like your consumers are coming back. They're checking tracking page. You want to target them. You want to advertise to them. What better place to do it than tracking? But there's a delicate balance of, you know, how in your face are you going to make those promotional materials? So Etsy had a really great balance of that as well as the, uh, just basic communication of where the package is and when it's going to be, get there. Totally. I, I, one of the one of the things I know, Pierce, we were presenting to a retailer. I won't name them here around some of these box insights, and 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 they're they're using a branded tracking interface, and and top right, you know, they have a, the standard Narvar layout, right? And we're a partner of Narvar's. You know, Narvar has some great capabilities. Um, if you're looking for advanced analytics and, and and things like that, but that top right slot in the tracking page had an ad or ad unit, promo unit for new items, new arrivals, right? So a couple of things on this. One is we observed, uh, and we, we presented this what, maybe a few months ago, we observed over the course of a year, year and a half, that one promo unit had not changed. <laughs> it changed once for the holidays, right? Like there was a bunch of kids opening presents for the holidays. But for the rest of the time, it was back to new arrivals, the same, same dude, in the same outfit with the words new arrivals in front of him throughout the rest of the year. So it didn't, didn't change, right? There's no timeliness to it. Seasonality, right? The guy was dressed up in, in cold weather gear year round. So that was one. Two, I made this point to another client. If you've just bought something on a website and you're waiting for it to be delivered, possibly the last message you want to hear is, do you want to see what else we got? <laughs> right, <laughs> yeah. go buy something, or or this stuff is on sale, or sale up to fifty percent off. Like I just bought something. If I didn't get the fifty percent off, then why do I think? Why do you think I'm going to be interested now? Because I just went shopping and I haven't gotten the thing I just paid for. And you're gonna you're gonna sell me some new stuff. It doesn't make any sense. Like the, 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 the thing that I bought and the thing that you're promoting are not even related. And the occasion in which I bought 
and the occasion new arrivals that you're you're pitching also not related because I just bought something. I know what the new arrivals are. I was on your website like literally a day ago, <laughs> you know, and, and so this idea that you're promoting items is important, but it's also like relevant items. It's an opportunity, right? And one of the uh, stats that we have, we've in BoxPoll, we ask consumers throughout the year, how often do you check tracking for a given order? And the average, uh, like probably some of uh, the, the floor actually over the last year in number of times consumers say they check, check tracking, the floor is about three times per order. And for, for Gen Z, it's like closer to, to uh, five times per order. And what this means is that you've got a captive audience. If you're a merchant, you've got a, a customer who has bought something from you and they are coming back to a page that you hopefully are um, managing between three and five times. And what you're serving them up in those three to five visits may not be relevant, may not be timely, may not be at all seasonal. It has nothing to do with their state of mind at the moment, which is where's the package I just bought? Where's the thing, the product I just bought? And in that moment of saying, where's the thing I just bought? You want to surface what are products that are going to make the thing you just bought better? That's the best type of promotion right? It's not go buy something else, right? The other thing I, I, I think we observed presenting to another client is they're a, a pet supplies retailer. We noticed that their direct competitor, another pet supplies retailer, had a subscription program for, you know, dog food, dog supplies, right? And this other, other merchant did something really smart. If you bought a product as, an, as a one-time purchase, let's say one bag of dog food, the tracking would show the opportunity to turn that into a subscription purchase. Get that same bag of dog food delivered once a month, every month on a schedule. Super relevant, right? I just bought it one bag. Now it's an obvious next step to take that one bag that I bought and just put it on a schedule to deliver monthly. That was example number one. Example number two was you had a, a purchase happen on subscription, which consumers don't check tracking as much for subscription purchases because it's delivered on a, on a schedule, right? But you had that second purchase on, the, on a subscription and the ad changed. The ad changed to, you should tweak your subscription preferences, frequency, number of items, add-on items. That's relevant, right? I have a subscription. I'm getting a delivery for that subscription. Now the promo unit says you should tweak your subscription, make it even more customized to you. And right next to it, because you're a subscription customer, you're probably not going into the store very often. And so right next to that promo unit, they've got a map to your local store, which is so relevant, right? Because now if I forgot to order something, I can run out to my local store, which I know where it is right now because I can see the hours in my location right there. I can go buy something real quick that's an add-on purchase without having to order something else and, and pay for a separate shipping cost. The timeliness and relevance of content on the tracking page, super, super important. Etsy does a great job of finding items from the same seller or from different sellers with a similar item or a recommended item right next to the tracking information, which, as you said, pierces front and center, the big map and everything. Well, I think the other thing to point out is you know, we've observed with a bunch of these shop Shopify hosted tracking pages, they have a map. They have a map. I don't know if you guys have both seen this. They have a map when, on, on the tracking page, but the map doesn't change. It just shows where yeah. my house is. 
Yeah, it just shows your house. It's like, hey, I forgot where I lived, so this was really helpful. <laughs> how Thank how you. useful. Yeah, I, I can remind myself from my own address. And, and, and part of that is because Shopify isn't consuming the data on the tracking event that tells you what the origin location is. So they're not showing the data because they don't, they're not reading it. It's not, it doesn't show up the same way with every carrier. And so you have to go find the origin zip code. And if they don't have it, they're not putting it on the map. And it, it seems like, at least in, in the shops that we have, majority of the time, they, they're, not, they're not showing the origin at all, which is not helpful, right? Because you know where your house is. Most days, I know where Most, my house is. <laughs> it depends on the, on the, on the time of, of the evening and how late the night goes, right? I want to move from tracking to unboxing. So unboxing is, again, it's one of these unique experiences because it's the very first time you're physically experiencing the brand. If they don't have stores and you never bought from them before, this is your first physical experience, the unboxing. Up to this point, it's been all digital, right? And all of a sudden a box shows up and you're going to open that box. And we look at a variety of factors here, you know, the types of packaging you're using and what do consumers think about the different types of packaging, the conflict between a high-end unboxing experience. I mean, you don't see any unboxing videos on YouTube for Amazon purchases. There's a reason. It's There's nothing there, right? It's just like, it's just the product. There's not much more to that experience than opening the box. But what you do see is an unboxing experience on YouTube that shows great packaging, a great experience in taking the product out and all the accoutrement that come with, with packaging around personalization and note card, promo components, things like that. Now, I want to kind of ask you to kind of talk about our next winner here. There's something I think unique about this merchant. Uh, we'll talk about, you know, after you talk about who, who it is and, and, and what's interesting about it, how we partner with them is, is kind of interesting and, and pretty cutting edge, if, if I may say so myself. Yeah, totally. So unboxing, right? When this package shows up to your door, if you've got a four-legged friend in your house, they probably are all over this package before you can get to it because it's probably loaded with treats. And we're talking about BarkBox, right? BarkBox has an awesome um, unboxing experience that they just, they knock it out of the park. It's colorful, it's vibrant, it is fun. And like I said, when you open it, your dog is probably right alongside you or you're you know, just waiting for you to drop a treat out or a ball or whatever is inside of it. So all of the the observations that we've seen with this shopping is that it's very consistent and they, they do a really good job at like really emphasizing this as a great experience. And it plays through, right? We've got some survey results that what is the perceived value of some of these unboxing features and for something as simple as branded tissue paper, right? Which cannot cost more than a couple of nickels. Uh, you know, the perceived value of that is like $5, right? And so BarkBox knows this and they hammer it and they they just knock it out of the park. Totally. And what's, what's interesting is so the BarkBox model is is really cool in that you're, you're signing up for a subscription for your pet and you're going to get a different themed box every day, right? And most of their customers get similar boxes based on a set of kind of categories of pets, you're going to get a certain type of box every month. And so the box is different every single month. And that creates some challenges because you've got to come up with that great unboxing experience and then go and redo that same great unboxing experience every single month because the the design changes with the components of the, the contents of the box. The products, the treats that are being used change the note card inside, the way it's presented, the filler material that you're using to protect the packaging. 
All of those things change based on the, the skew mix in the box, and they're changing that every single month, and they never repeat the contents. So this creates an operational hurdle because you've got to have people trained in a different boxing or packaging kitting process every single month. And you know, it's really the labor market is super tight. And the struggle with all fulfillment companies and organizations is there's not enough people out there that want to do fulfillment work. There's just not. And and so what we've done over the last couple of years is invest in robotics for this act of customized packing, customized pack out. And that's even harder than what I just described because you're basically reprogramming the robot every single month if you're going to change the way the box is packed every single month. Reprogramming a robot is not fast, despite what like the these new AI tools can show you. Robotics still requires a high degree of orchestration by humans, by code. So we invested in robots that learn by seeing, by seeing, just like humans do, by, by, like animals do, like, like dogs do. They learn by seeing what others are doing. And so they can observe how one person packs a box and try to mimic how to pack the next box. And what that allows us to do is to not spend a whole lot of time reprogramming robots every month. And so we were able to scale robotic packout, customized packout, and change it every single month at scale with robots just by virtue of having a learning robot that can learn like a dog learns, like, like one of BarkBox's favorite pets. Right. So I thought that was, that was, that was really cool. A lot of innovation that went into kind of making that unboxing experience scalable, uh, which is, which is really cool. All right. So final topic returns. This retailer uh, didn't want us to name them because they have some serious secret sauce associated with, with their customer experience. Well, so we'll just refer to them as a luxury department store, if you guys are okay with that. And this luxury department store does a stellar job in returns. Pierce, can you talk us through kind of what are the hallmarks of, of their experience? Yeah. So luxury department store, for sure, because their consumer and client base expects really high-end service, curated goods, good quality items. And along with that, should be the customer service, right? And when we talk about returns, right? Returns can be uncomfortable and inconvenient. They could be a hassle. And determining like on the approach of the retailer, that may be intentional, right? Maybe that's what they want to happen. But, you know, this specific brand was really determined to make this as smooth as possible, but also match the clientele with service that's expected from them. They have a really slick and nice uh, returns portal that offers multiple ways to return the items that you've bought from them, right? So they have a large retail footprint, so you can obviously take that in store for a return, but there's also other methods. They also use a QR code, right, for getting the return back to them. So you don't have to print your return at home anymore because a lot of people don't have printers or they don't have access to a printer. So it's far easier to just take it to the post office with basically any bag that you can find in your house and you know just provide the QR code. And on top of all of this, right, the most important aspect of a return from um, your customer's point of view is where's my money at? You know, when am I gonna get my money back? They are really quick on that. Um, they're committed to the time frame that they advertise. And we found that through our observations, they typically hit that or they are faster than what they, they promise online. So overall, just a fantastic service. And, you know, we're really happy to, to be partnered with them. Yeah, totally. Couldn't agree more. I mean, that luxury experience extends to, you know, that in-store return 
they actually surfaced that as an option for curbside returns, which outside of Target, you don't really see that often. And Target can do this because they've got the, the parking lot real estate. A department store that's an anchor in a mall may not have that kind of curbside experience that a dedicated store parking lot might have. And so just the ability to offer curbside returns and let them know you're coming because you're selecting that at, in the returns portal, that was something very high touch that we, we noticed. Uh, and like I said, the QR code, I, I mean, just a quick quick poll. Julia, do you have a printer at home? Not in my dorm. Not in your dorm, right? I have a printer, but it no longer prints barcodes that any machine can read. Uh, it's an inject printer that doesn't get enough use. I actually saw a review of home printers on the, in the Wall Street Journal of all places about a year ago. And the number one use case they had for grading different printers, home printers, is how good it prints a return shipping label. Uh, that's how prevalent home printers are. Pierce, how about you? Do you have, uh, do you have a, a printer at home? I do not. You no. do not? Man, that's... Uh, no. I, I go, uh, there's a Walmart by my house and I go down there to the FedEx store in the Walmart and use their printer if I ever need to. So I'm paying a premium for printing services. <laughs> and, then, and then poking in the eye if you have a UPS labeled a print or something, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so I mean, this, this is just a, a sample size of three, but two of you guys have no printer and I have a non-functioning printer. So all three of us are going to use the QR code option here to return this product because we don't, we're, not, we're all, you know, d- different, different age groups and different generations. I mean, it's, it is, it is a broad, like we know that more than a third of consumers don't have a printer and an additional 10 to 15% have a printer, but just don't want to use it to print labels. And the remainder don't think it's a problem, but when we get return packages back through our network, we can tell you there are problems. <laughs> like people don't know how to apply a shipping label properly, tape it to a box so that it doesn't peel off. Sometimes the, the printing goes off the edge of the paper and you can't read the, the label. There's all kinds of problems with people printing labels at home, not just because they don't have a printer. It results in delays. Like Pierce, you're saying, it's like you want to get that refund fast. Well, if it ends up in the exception bin at the warehouse because you can't read the label and don't know where it came from, that refund is not coming unless somebody calls in. And so, you know, all of these pieces around QR code, around curbside, around fast refunds, it creates a phenomenal experience for the consumer, but it also creates more control for the retailer because they can anticipate returns much better uh, and they can find the lowest cost returns option. All right, we are right at time. Um, This is all the time we had today. I just want to say thanks to Pierce and Julia, you guys have been tremendous um, on, on the uh, BoxCast today. Thanks so much for coming. I appreciate your insights. Yeah, thanks yeah. for having us. Awesome. Same. Ditto. And everybody, thanks for listening. We'll have a link to the awards uh, that we issued in the show notes. So check those out. If you want to learn more about BoxScore, that's also going to be linked in the show notes. And uh, we will speak to you uh, very soon on another BoxCast. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.